You're listening to the Aggie Parent and Family Podcast, a podcast for parents and families of USU Aggies. Here we share practical advice from leading USU experts and students to help guide both you and your student in your journey at Utah State. My name is Isaiah Jones. I'm the Parent Program Coordinator at Utah State University. My name is Callie Croft. I'm an Operations Coordinator in the Financial Aid Office. My name is Heather Bryson. I am the Director in the Financial Aid Office. My name is Craig White. I'm the Director of the Scholarship Office. Well, thanks for joining us, friends. Today, we're talking about why parents and their students should fill out a FAFSA or a FOSFA. I've heard it said both ways. Can someone help me out? Is it someone, anyone? Is it FAFSA or FOSFA? We call it FAFSA, but I think you can pronounce it however you want. (laughs) Okay, okay, good. A lot of times when we're out on the road, when we used to do that back in the day, and and parents will ask us, like, I don't really need to fill one out. Uh, We make too much money or or things like that. And so today, what I thought we could do is just unpack what a FAFSA is, who should fill one out, where to go, that kind of thing, just to get everyone off on the right foot. Maybe we'll start with Callie, and then everyone can jump in. What is a FAFSA? So FAFSA is an acronym. It stands for Free Application for Federal Student Aid, and it is available on fafsa.gov or studentaid.gov. They're the same site at this point, and it is an application for all federal aid. So that includes grants, work study, and federal loans as well. I would probably highlight, just from what Callie mentioned, it is a free application. We've had some students in the past where they might pay for that, but it really is a free application that is provided by the federal government. It's good to know that it's free. Funny footnote, my mom is a financial aid director and was as I was growing up. And I would hear her say this all the time, but I was interested in sports back then. So I never pressed her on where I could go to fill one out. But it's good to finally know at the age of 31. What are some of the common misconceptions about FAFSA, Kelly? One of them that I get all the time is that the FAFSA is a one-time application. That's not true. It is an annual application. It needs to be filled out every year. Another misconception is that the application is for a calendar year. It actually crosses into both years. So for this current school year that's going on right now, it the FAFSA is for 2020, so fall 2020 through spring 2021. And a lot of people, they think that they can apply for FAFSA and if they're not eligible the first time they apply for FAFSA, they think that they may not be eligible in the future. That's also not true. If anything this year has taught us that things can change so drastically within a year, you can have major financial events happen or unexpected circumstances, and it may make you more eligible in the future. So we always recommend filling it out every single year, no matter what you were eligible for the previous year. Yeah, I think one of the biggest misconceptions that you've kind of already mentioned, Isaiah, is that my family makes too much money to fill out the FAFSA. All students qualify for some kind of federal aid. The misconception there is that the FAFSA is to qualify for just the federal Pell Grant, but really it does help you qualify for all federal aid, which includes student loans and some some universities' campus-based aid, which includes our university, which is some additional grants and work-study funding. So that's why we encourage all families and all students and parents to fill out the FAFSA, because even if they think the other part of that misconception is that 
it only looks at income for that equation to kind of determine that eligibility. But the FAFSA really looks at a lot of different factors when it's determining eligibility for students. So it is looking at that income, but it's also looking at household size and several other factors. So until you get that bigger picture and all of those data points, you can't really just say that there's a certain tax bracket or a certain income that would disqualify or qualify a student for the Pell Grant. Jump off of that, you can have a six-figure income in your family and still qualify for needs-based aid, so it's always worth applying. Another common misconception is deadlines. When you Google what is the deadline for FAFSA, it's going to come up with June 30th, but that's not a hard and fast deadline. It is the ultimate deadline, but it depends on also when you're enrolled as well. You have to be either enrolled or preparing to enroll for a future academic year in order to apply for FAFSA. So you can't apply during the summer if you're not enrolled in this current semester for receiving aid for the summer. However, you can apply in the summer for future semesters. And then also really you have about a year and a half to fill out the FAFSA. It's open from October 1st every year until that June 30th deadline of two years after that October 1st deadline. So for example, the application for FAFSA for students incoming in the fall 2021 semester just opened this October, and it will be open throughout 2021 and into 2022 as well. Love everything that was said here, especially, Callie, your point about that things can change very fast. <laughs> I think we've all been a little humbled on, on that. Uh, if I get a invitation these days, it's past like two weeks ahead. I'm like, whew, seems a little dangerous. I think the point that I took as far as income and households and an academic year and all of that, I think it's helpful for parents and students to know that things can change. And so as they go about planning and prepping, it's not the calendar year that they're thinking about. And so that leaves a little bit of flexibility, as well as the point you mentioned about deadlines. I think I've definitely heard that when we've been at open houses and so forth. Craig, is there any insight that you have as far as misconceptions and how those might impact scholarship opportunities? That's a great question, Isaiah. Um, I think Heather and Callie did a great job in explaining the overall, some misconceptions that occur regarding the FAFSA. Scholarships are really unique. Here at Utah State University, we manage a lot of different types of scholarships, whether that's scholarships dealing with state aid and grants, whether that's institutional awards that we're able to offer as an institution. But we also have the responsibility to manage a lot of the, the private scholarships, the endowments that are given to Utah State through generous donors or foundations and organizations. Anytime one of these organizations requires need in the evaluation of a scholarship, we unfortunately cannot gather need information simply by reading an essay of information that is self-reported or based upon information that would be given on an application. So if a student says, my parent makes $15,000, but in all reality, a parent makes $80,000, we cannot really accept self-reported need information because it's hard to verify. For this reason, any scholarship at Utah State that has a need requirement as part of the selection process, we can only consider students who have submitted a FAFSA. So even if a student may not qualify for a Pell Grant, I would still encourage them to submit a FAFSA. The reason for that, they now open an additional door of review for scholarships that they wouldn't be considered for if they didn't submit the FAFSA in the first place. So I think that's one really important insight on scholarships. All students should submit the FAFSA because then future doors of opportunity could be open to them because we can now consider them for need-based scholarships down the road. And if a FAFSA is not submitted, we can't consider those students. 
who should fill out a BASFA form? I know everyone's kind of touched on it directly and indirectly, but who should fill one of these out? I think Heather would agree with me on this. Everyone should fill out a FAFSA. You do not know if you're going to qualify for any aid unless you fill out that application. There are a number of elements that get taken into account besides income, like we mentioned. So just fill it out. It's a, a half an hour application. doesn't take very long as long as you have all the documents that you need. Fill out that application, usually just tax document, information about assets, things like that. Um, then you can finish it in the time that it takes for a delivery to make it to your house during COVID. So just fill it out and try it out and see if you qualify for anything. I would just follow up. The one reason I really encourage everyone to fill one out, and I definitely agree, everyone should fill one out. I think it's a great process to kind of learn, but also it really sets you up for success as circumstances change. So if you have a FAFSA submitted, maybe you don't qualify for Pell Grant at that time. But when those things do happen, maybe there's a job loss or even a death, unfortunately, in the family. When things change, it's nice when you already have that FAFSA in place. And then you can come and work with the financial aid office to go ahead and reconsider your eligibility possibly. So that's one thing that I encourage that they're not taking that extra step as those other things are happening in life that that's already done. And then we can go ahead and see if we could make some adjustments to help them as they're dealing with some of those changes. To jump off of that again, also, if you do not qualify for grants, you only qualify for loans and you do not intend to take out loan funding, at least it's there. It's offered to you if you need it. So if you encounter any circumstances or unexpected events that cause you to need the funding later on in the school year, it's already applied for and it takes a lot less time to reoffer a loan or accept an offered loan than it does to actually apply for the loan. So at least it's there as a financial safety net if you need it. And Craig, are there any penalties? So you had mentioned the 15,000, 80,000 things. So let's just say a student thinks that their parents make 20000 a year, and then after they fill out all the information, comes to find out they are in the six-figure category. Is it just kind of knowledge for them now? There's, would they lose out on any opportunities? Isaiah, great question. I could probably do a two-hour podcast on scholarship selection and policies and procedures, but maybe to summarize it here in just a minute. At Utah State University, to be fairly transparent about our processes, because I think it can be confusing when students look and say, why, why did my neighbor get a scholarship, but I did not, particularly when that information is private and confidential, and we can't publish that information per se. In general, what we do at Utah State University for students that submit a FAFSA, that information will be loaded into our systems, and we look at what is the total cost of attendance for a student. We will then look at what financial assistance has this student already received. So for example, if, if they're an incoming student and the, the admissions office is awarded a presidential scholarship, well, by golly, a vast majority of that cost of attendance is wiped out because of those scholarships will reduce that cost significantly. But another student that might come won't receive that presidential scholarship. So their cost of attendance is much greater. What we do at Utah State University for students that submit the FAFSA, we create something called a need index. And that need index helps us to evaluate what is the true cost of attendance for a student with or without a scholarship. And then we can award scholarships to hopefully reduce that unmet need to allow greater opportunity and access for a continued education at Utah State. So it is something that is specific to Utah State that other schools may or may not do internally in different processes. But we're grateful for that need index that we've created that takes into account FAFSA information, but also the total cost of attendance 
And when we're really awarding scholarships based upon financial need, we are looking at the unmet need. What really is the total cost that a student is responsible for? And that is a way that we can help students to reduce some of that cost through some additional private or university aid or scholarship. That's great to know. I think for me, when I was an undergrad, just the word need was had some ambiguity around it. I still think I have needs that my wife tells me, you don't, you don't need that. But it's nice to know that there's a whole assessment pool that, that helps parents and students with that. What would your biggest piece of advice be to parents and students, Callie, about when and why to complete the form? First, apply. Apply for the FAFSA no matter what and apply early. Do it now since the application is open for next year. That gives us time to process an aid offer as well as complete any other unsatisfied requirements before the school year starts. And maybe that would sway your decision to attend USU as well. Get on it and then everyone should and they should do it now. Isaiah, from a scholarship perspective, I would agree with Callie. The timeliness of this is very important. For example, we're currently in the 2021 academic year. So fall 2020 and spring 2021. The vast majority of funding for this year has been spent. I wish I had a magical million dollar drawer that I could pull out and every envelope would have a million dollars in it for scholarships. But unfortunately, it's just not how it works. I have not found the seed for a money tree. I still look for those. But we, we use our funds as, as wisely as possible. We are transparent in our awarding so that donors and state auditors are aware of what's happening and, and, and that we're in compliance with what we need to do. The reason for timeliness on this, we are now looking at fall 2021 and spring 2022. And the importance of submitting that FAFSA that just opened up in October, we have opened up the general university scholarship application for fall 2021 and spring 2022. It is currently open at usu.edu scholarships. And most of those applications will remain open through February 1st. Some of those departmental awards can continue into perhaps March or April, but the vast majority will close in February. So if a student is really interested in wanting to apply for these scholarships and there's a need component to these university uh, scholarships, they need to submit that FAFSA information so that their information will then load into our portal so that we can provide the correct evaluation and the, the correct review for these students. So the timeliness is important knowing some applications will close as early as February 1st for next year, it's really important the students submit that FAFSA now so they can get the full consideration. And students are, are going to be home for winter break soon, so they'll have an opportunity to get with their parents and fill it out together. So that will be a perfect time to fill out the FAFSA. Yeah, and if anyone's worried about time, the, the break does go till January 19th, so you can get some skiing in and you can fill out a FAFSA form, which I think is fantastic. Is there anything that I've left out that you all would like to add to encourage parents and students? I think the one thing that I would mention is just they're struggling or having any issues or they have questions about filling out the FAFSA. I always encourage them to contact our office. We have a full staff that really knows the FAFSA process and can help really make that an easy process for them and help with those questions. So reach out if you're having any any problems with the process or submitting that, or if you have questions, our staff is always happy to help answer those. I would agree with Heather. We can only answer questions if they're asked. And if a student or a parent is continually Googling for answers or using, unfortunately, Wikipedia for results, 
they're probably not getting the answers they need specifically to their situation. I would encourage students to reach out to the financial aid office for FAFSA-related questions. The scholarship office is here to help. We actually work really, really closely together. The, the financial aid office and the scholarship office are in the same suite area within the Tackert Student Center, and we work daily together on a variety of issues and, and trying to maximize what we can do as a university to help students have the greatest impact. We recognize there is always a cost. And there's always a concern that comes with that cost. And we partner together and, and we are here to help students as much as we can. So if anyone has questions, we would just invite you to come ask. As far as the, the pandemic goes, I wish we could go door to door and meet everyone, make a relationship, form a relationship, and help you individually. Uh, that's just impossible, unfortunately. So we recommend keeping your contact information up to date on your USU account. We like to communicate via email, so make sure that you have access to the emails. We do start to communicate very early with students via email, so as long as you have an email address that's updated, be checking that often and we will send you important notices about federal aid. Since students are, they're considered to be adults when they come to college, we want to treat them like adults. We like to talk to students directly about financial aid, but if a parent does want to speak to us about financial aid or scholarships, we recommend that they get set up as a delegate on their student's account. The student can do that on their, their profile. It's myid.usu.edu. And as long as you're set up as a delegate, we can share financial information. That's important for FERPA Privacy Act protections. We cannot share that information with parents unless they are a delegate. The delegate way, we have our big questions in our office, and one of them is, you know, how can I get involved in a way that's collaborating with, with my student? I think becoming a delegate is just a fantastic way to start that process of figuring out, like, how can I help and not be too involved or not involved? But this is a great sort of practical way that our listeners can get involved. And to this day, my mother is still my delegate for uh, my PhD. So, hey, it's, it, it really works. Uh, well, thank you all for, for jumping on and uh, go Aggies.